and thank you for joining us here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. For those of you who don't know, Dr. M.H. Tab was born into God's family almost 56 years ago by the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He then served as a Christian school principal, Bible Institute teacher, administrator, and assistant pastor. In 1980, God then called Dr. Tab to establish Gulf Coast Baptist Church, where he pastored for 40 years. He continues his service now as the founder of Gulf Coast Bible Institute, preacher, and author of over 46 doctrinal books. Let us now open our Bibles together with Dr. Tab as our guide and rightly divide the word of truth here on Doctrinal Studies with Dr. Tab. In this session, we're going to discuss a problem that we, we all of us Christians have. It's called the flesh. As Christians, we have a dual personality. Because when a person's born in this world, he's born in the image of Adam, according to Genesis 5, verse 3. And he's born with that sinful nature that uh, Adam gave to all of us, Romans 5, verse 12 tells us. Uh, he's conceived in iniquity, Psalm 51, verse 5, lives his life in trespasses and sin, according to Ephesians 2, 1. That's a picture of all of us before we're saved. But when a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, he's made a new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us, and he becomes a partaker of God's divine nature, 2 Peter 1, verse 4. And from that point on, the Holy Spirit indwells his body, according to uh, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. And so he has two natures, the divine nature and the old uh, Adamic nature that we call the flesh. Now, salvation does not eradicate that old nature. A Christian is just as capable of sin as a lost person. The difference is that now the Christian has the advantage of the indwelling Holy Spirit to be his guide, but still, he'll only have victory over his flesh, over that Adamic nature, as he yields to the Holy Spirit and allows the Lord to control his life. Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 11 and 13 tells us that. Romans 8, verses 1 to 4. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that uh, the new nature that we have when we receive Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that new nature cannot sin, 1 John 3, 9, uh, but the old nature is prone to nothing but sin, sins continuously, continuously as long as we allow it to do so. But all too often, uh, new converts, you lead somebody to Christ, they're not taught that they have a dual nature. That creates a serious problem for babes in Christ. 1 Peter 2, 2 calls them babes. Uh, a lot of times, new converts have the false idea that their salvation will completely remove all desire to sin. Well, nothing can be further from the truth than that. When they do sin after they're saved, and they surely will, they conclude that either they lost their salvation or they never were saved to start with. Now, the result will be frustration or despair in their life. So a personal worker, a soul winner, who does not instruct his converts on their dual nature does them a great disservice. In fact, he potentially places a great limitation on the new convert's ability to go on unto perfection, as we're told to do in Hebrews 6, verse 1. <clears throat> so a Christian has two natures. Could we say uh, he's schizophrenic? Uh, a Christian at his own discretion, then, can serve the Savior or serve self. 
God will not twist a person's arm. He never has. He's never going to. God has given us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to guide us, but He lets us decide whether or not we want to serve Him as we should. When we yield to the Adamic nature, the flesh, that brings on the chastening hand of God in our life. Hebrews 12, uh, verses 5 through 11 tells us. So to yield to the Holy Spirit will bring the blessing of God. Hebrews 11, 6, Romans 8, 1. The choice is ours. Serve God or serve your flesh. Now, let's uh, see what the Bible has to say about our flesh. I'm either going to read or quote a lot of verses because God can always say things better than I can anyway. And uh, I'll mention some passages that you can look up and read for yourself uh, that I will not read for the sake of time, okay? Philippians 3.3, For we worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. In other words, don't allow yourself to be persuaded or convinced by your flesh as uh, Haman was back in the book of, uh, um, of Esther. He was a type of the flesh, and he tried to persuade Esther to go uh, to do wrong. Now, you, can, you, you, you just cannot trust your flesh. That's all there is to it. I mean, what does your flesh ever do but cause you problems before you got saved, still after you got saved? Romans 6:19. I speak after the manner of men uh, because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield yourselves servants to righteousness unto holiness. In other words, now that you're saved... Uh, live unto righteousness, that is, serve righteousness with the same zeal that we had when we lived unto sin, when we served sin before we got saved. So, since we are servants, like it or not, Romans 6, verses 16 to 22, you're, you're a servant of something, whether we like it or not, uh, since we are, since we uh, are servants to God, hopefully, or to the flesh, if we choose that direction, then we have to make our minds who we're going to serve. Joshua dogmatically made up his mind. Joshua 24, verse 15, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, he said. Our servitude to sin before salvation ought to have been sufficient that we should never desire to sin again. First Peter 1, verses, um, chapter 4, it is verses 2 through 4 tells us that. Now, the phrase in Romans 6:19, he said, Even so, yield your members' service to righteousness. That's a command, not a request. And he said in verse 13 of that chapter, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, again a command, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, that's your flesh, as instruments of righteousness unto God. He says our flesh has infirmity. And we, we ought to know that already. Uh, Jesus put it this way, Matthew 26, 41. He said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we have two potential masters, sin or righteousness, the Holy Spirit or our flesh. And which one will we serve? We can't serve both. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. So we can only be loyal to one master at a time. And yes, even if you're saved, you can be loyal to your flesh. You can be loyal to the devil or loyal to the Lord. <clears throat> Romans 8, 7 says this, the carnal mind, that's our flesh, is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. 
Your flesh is sinful. It's wicked. It can't be, um, it cannot be subject to the law of God. It goes against the law of God, and therefore it can never be justified. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 17, he says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. We want to do what's right, but our flesh does not want that. The flesh and the Spirit are contrary to each other. It's a constant battle. It's caused by that dual nature that a Christian has. A spirit in Galatians 5.17 is capitalized, so it's referring to the Holy Spirit. No wonder Paul said, have no confidence in the flesh. Why? It's God's enemy, constantly battling against God. But we can have victory over our flesh if we want it. Why? Because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. God will not allow sin to have dominion over you, Romans 6, 14, if you walk in the Spirit, as Paul said to do. God promises that with every temptation, he will make a way to escape the temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells you that. Romans 6, 18 says, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. What does that mean? That means if I sin, I just know because I wanted to. Okay, you sin because you want to. You've been made free from it. Colossians 2.11 says we're to put off the body of the sins of this, of the uh, flesh. Colossians 2 verses 20 to 23 says, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, which you are if you're saved, dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world. That's what uh, uh, Esther did in the book of Esther. She died to self. If I perish, I perish. And that's what John the Baptist did. I must decrease, but he must increase. That's what Jesus Christ himself did. Not my will, but thine be done. So uh, he says, uh, if, you, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, worldly ordinances, which all are to perish with the using? After the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of, of wisdom in, in will worship, self-willed, and humility, and neglecting of the body, asceticism, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Legalism, commandments of men. That's what our flesh caters to. Romans 8, 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. Listen, we don't owe our flesh anything. I mean, what's it ever done for us? Our flesh had us headed straight for hell. We're not debtors to the flesh. We're debtors to the Lord. And because of that, we should not have any confidence in our flesh. The flesh cannot be trusted. It never got anybody anywhere but in trouble. Uh, Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The Spirit illustrated by Esther in the book of Esther, indeed is willing, but the flesh, illustrated by Haman, is weak. Our flesh is weak. That's why we have problems praying. That's why we have problems reading our Bibles. Our flesh lets us down because it doesn't want us close to God. I mean, imagine falling asleep as the disciples did in the midst of the excitement of the Lord's transfiguration in Luke 9, 32. And when they were in the garden with the Lord, fell asleep when he asked them to pray with him. He couldn't even get them to pray. That's what our flesh will do for us. It will cause us to miss God's best. Uh, John 6, 63, the Lord said, it is, the spirit, it is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh 
profiteth nothing. It's the spirit that gives life, not the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. Paul said in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 8, he said godly exercise uh, is what we need, not bodily exercise. That's what It's godly exercise that's really important. Uh, we get godly exercise through prayer, talking to God, and through the word, God talking to us. But the flesh will keep us from doing that. Uh, Romans 3.20, <clears throat> Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Uh, the flesh is incurably religious. I mean, it worships itself. No flesh is justified in God's sight because the flesh transgresses God's law every day. The flesh is sinful and it's wicked in everything that it does. I mean, the Bible says, what is it, Proverbs 21.4, even the plowing of the wicked is sin. The, their manner of running a living, it might be very honorable, but it's sin because of their whole life is sin. Everything about them is, is sin. Romans 7.25 says, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Our flesh serves the law of sin. Every time we let the flesh have its way, we become servants to the law of sin. Romans 6, 11 through 16 points out uh, uh, the fact that uh, to whom we yield our members, parts of the body, it says his servants you are, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. By the way, that answers the question, can a Christian be possessed? Well, no, the devil can't get you, but he can sure get a hold of your members when you yield them for his use. He can use your eyes. He can use your hands. He can use your feet, the members, if we yield those things to him. Now in Romans 8, 3, <clears throat> it says, uh, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness, of sinful flesh, not in sinful flesh, but the likeness. He looked like us, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The law is weak through the flesh because the flesh cannot uphold <coughs> the law of God with all its commandments. The flesh is weak <coughs> because that's where uh, the sin nature is centered. And the next verse... Uh, I'm going to read to you, shows that, it's Romans 7, 18. It says, for we know that in me, Paul says, I know that in me, uh, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will, that self-will, is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. Paul says how to perform that which is good, I find not. He said that in his flesh, that is his body, his members, dwells no good thing. Nothing good. Why? Because the flesh has a will of its own. It is self-willed. The whole chapter of Romans 7 shows us that our big problem is the flesh. I mean, read that chapter, especially verses 15 through 23. Our main trouble is, guess what? Ourselves. It's not the devil. It's not the world. It's our own flesh. That's the biggest problem we Christians have. I mean, according to Jeremiah 17, 9, he said our hearts uh, can deceive us above all things. Well, you suppose all things would include Satan? If so, then he can't deceive us as quickly and entirely as our own hearts can deceive us. So it's futile to ever excuse our sin by saying the devil made me do it. <clears throat> In fact, he can't make a child of God do anything unless you want to do it or by him getting God's permission as he did with Job. Uh, he tried his best to make Job turn from God, but no matter how hard he tried, nothing he did 
could accomplish that. In all that, Job sinned not with his lips, the Bible says. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 13, For if you live after the flesh, ye shall, guess what? Die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. You'll either die at the hand of Haman, the flesh, or you'll die to self so that Mordecai, the Spirit, can take control of your Haman. Uh, you may try to discredit Romans 8.13 <clears throat> if you live in the flesh you shall die you may try to discredit that because you know a Christian who's lived after the flesh for a long time and he's still going strong he's not dead yet well that may be true but his testimony is already dead in fact a lot of things are dead in his life the joy of the Lord is dead the peace of Christ is dead and if he keeps up his fleshly living long enough he'll eventually die physically because of it I mean read Ecclesiastes 8 verses 11 through 13 and number 32 verse 23 if anybody lives long enough in the flesh he'll sooner or later commit a sin unto death 1 John 5 16 and he'll be dead Romans 8 13 says uh, we'll live if we mortify the deeds of the body that mortify put them to death <clears throat> Romans uh, 13 verse 14 he said, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Uh, the main reason a lot of Christians never break away from their sin, their bad habit, their addiction, or whatever it is, is because they make provision for the flesh. For example, suppose a Christian drinks, but he really wants to quit. Instead of stopping completely and getting all the liquor out of his house, he hides a bottle in the cabinet just in case he has a real strong desire for it. Um, he knows he may not have time to go to the store. He's making provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust of the flesh. A smoker might quit uh, smoking, but keep a pack of cigarettes in the drawer somewhere just in case he has a nicotine fit at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now that's making provision for the flesh. Or though he has uh, quit looking at uh, pornography, he has some old magazines stashed away in the closet or out in the garage somewhere. Some Christians do things. Uh, like that all the time, making provision for the flesh. They excuse themselves with statements like, well, uh, I don't use that. I just keep it around to remind me that I've been delivered from it. Well, deliverance won't continue if you keep it around. They keep it around really in case they want to use it again or think they might need it. We cannot trust our flesh, so we should keep nothing around our flesh uh, that, uh, that it wants to enjoy and that can be a temptation to us. Psalm 101 verse 3, the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. How often do we set some wicked thing before our eyes? First Corinthians one twenty nine. he says that no flesh should glory in his presence. God says our flesh can never glory in his presence. We are to feed the spirit what the spirit wants, and it wants the word of God, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, so that we may grow, 1 Peter 2, verse 2, and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18, grow in our, uh, in our Christian life, 2 so Peter 1, verses 5. 5 through 10, adding the things to it the Spirit wants added. Uh, we're not to feed the flesh. If God says no flesh will glory in His presence, that will inspire us as Christians to mortify the deeds of the body and motivate us to put the flesh aside and feed the Spirit and grow in the things of the Lord. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 7, <clears throat> he says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when uh, good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. Uh, the flesh just can't be trusted. 
That's why the Christian life requires constant vigilance. First Peter 5 verse 8 tells us <clears throat> our flesh is weak and we're prone to let it do whatever it wants to do when it wants to do it. Jeremiah said that God puts a curse on the person who makes uh, flesh his strength. And sometimes we can uh, have some great victory and instead of giving God the glory and, uh, and praise like he tells us to, to, uh, to do when we have victory, Psalm 50 verse 15, we'll claim the victory for ourselves. Uh, well, I got, uh, I, I accomplished that, overcame that. But Jesus said in John 15, 5, without me you can do nothing. We must give God the glory and not trust in the flesh. The heath he talked about in Jeremiah and the parched places and the salt land, uh, that refers to a wasteland. Uh, you know, something like a Salt Lake City, a pagan place in a wilderness, in a barren land. A Christian who's trusting in his flesh instead of in the Lord, he can't see when God's working in his life. Paul said in Philippians 3, verse 3, have no confidence in the flesh. Now, what's the solution to all this? Romans 6, verses 11 to 13. Likewise, reckon, that means to establish, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin, therefore, you hear that? Let not, you're in control of it. Let not sin, therefore, uh, reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, command, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Galatians 5.24, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. Listen, Christ is yours by virtue of salvation, but you are his only if you yield yourself to his Holy Spirit's leading in your life. May the Lord bless you as you mortify the deeds of the flesh. <laughs>